At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, It becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of welcoming special guest Richard Lewis, author of the book, Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer. Richard is not only an author, but he's also a speaker and a coach who focuses on centering prayer as a means of inner transformation. He teaches centering prayer in both his local and virtual community and offers one-on-one coaching. Richard's newest book is titled Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer and focuses on his daily prayer and meditation practices. Richard publishes a weekly meditation, book reviews, and interviews on his site, Silence Teaches. He has published articles in a number of organizations, including Contemplative Light, Abbey of the Arts, and Contemplative Outreach. He has been a daily practitioner of Centering Prayer since June 1st of 2014. Centering Prayer has been so life-giving and life-changing that Richard feels compelled to share his journey with others who wish to learn more. He resides with his family in Ambler, Pennsylvania. To learn more about Richard, you can go to his site at www.silenceteaches.com. And it's with great pleasure that I welcome Richard to the show. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Hopefully this will be helpful for your community. So thank you. Oh, no, I deeply appreciate it. And I I know we were just having an an off camera chat before we started today. And I I just, I want to note this for my audience in all the episodes I've done. I think this episode will be really eye-opening for my audience because I like the idea of incorporating elements of prayer into daily practice for all of us. I think after everything that's happened in the last two years, being centered and being able to pray is something so critical and so vital to all of us and to our spiritual lives. And one of the things I want to ask after looking at your background, I I just like to know what prompted you to write sitting with God, a journey to your true self, through centering prayer. Sure. Um, As we were talking before we uh, started this, you know, I I had always been attracted to silence. I just didn't know what to do in the silence. And I had read books by a gentleman by the name of Carl McCullman, and he talked a lot about silence and how powerful it was, but he never really talked about a practice to do in the silence. I've actually since learned he practices centering prayer as well. Um, But in late 2013, I was just perusing Amazon, looking for a book to read, and I came across Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots by Amos Smith. And then in the book, he talked about um, centering prayer as a practice to do in the silence that he had been practicing at that point for at least 10 years, probably not even a little bit longer than that. So I, I thought, aha, here's something I can do in the silence. So I actually read the book and then reached out to him on his website, and he responded back to me, and we we began a back-and-forth dialogue about centering prayer, and then we became friends, and I began working off of his site um, first before my site was created uh, about four years ago. 
but it, he was the one that challenged me to write a book. He thought I had some interesting ideas. He said his book was perhaps a little bit more academic, and I might have a kind of a neat and different approach as kind of an ordinary person going into an office to work every day, and I might have something interesting to share. So he actually challenged me to write a book. So that I began writing the book um, probably around June of 2014, and he helped me served as a really a nice mentor to help me write the book, um, edit the book, and, you know, how you approach the whole the whole world of publishing traditionally, you know, reaching out to publishers and getting a publisher and reaching out to people to get endorsements for your book and, and that kind of stuff. So he served not only as a, you know, pushing me to write the book and helping me, um, he served really as a great mentor through the process. What was the most challenging aspect of getting this book created? That you didn't expect when you first started? Um, I guess first I realized I needed to discipline myself because when he, at first he said, he, he threw out the idea to me and I thought he was crazy because I had never written anything more than six or seven pages in length. I guess I was fortunate enough, even in college, I never really had to write anything long. Um, but I kind of asked my wife, what did she think? And she said, why, why don't you try? Well, the, and the first thing he said was, you know, jot down your one sentence, set single sentences of you know, what do you think about centering prayer and, and some of the main things you might want to say in your book. So I did that and, and sent it back to him two weeks later. And then I had, I think, 13 or 14 of these single sentence statements. And he said, there's your chapters, go write. <laughs> well, I thought, well, I'm not just going to do that. So I figured I'd pick one and I took another couple of weeks and then wrote a chapter and fed it back to him. And then he looked at it and said, this was fresh, it was interesting, and he thinks I ought to keep going. And then that kind of convinced me that maybe I really can do this. And I realized I needed to be disciplined about it. So maybe centering prayer is a disciplined practice. So maybe that helped me, the fact that I was disciplined to do centering prayer. I realized I got to discipline myself, but I don't want to take time away from the family. So I actually wrote it on Saturday morning. So this is pre-COVID at, at Starbucks. I, I got Starbucks opens at six o'clock and I would get up at about 5.30. So believe it or not, I would get up at about 5.30 wow. on a Saturday, put on a baseball cap, to get my laptop and just drive to the local Starbucks, get a cup of coffee, sit down, open the laptop and just write. And I would write from about six to nine or 10 and then come home. And then by then the family was up and moving around and we would do things as a family because I didn't want to interfere with, with the family. So that's how the book got written. So I guess maybe the biggest challenge was thinking about when can I do this? And I don't want to take time away from the family. So I disciplined myself to do it mostly Saturday mornings, six to nine, six to 10. And that's how the book got written over a couple of years, two, three years, because then some of that was editing and stuff, but at least two to three years, that's how the book got written. So I guess the biggest challenge would be, as I think about writing another book, do I have the same discipline to do? Can I do that again? <laughs> yes, I definitely think you do. But that's, that's a great point is being able to you know, create this amazing book and do it in a disciplined way to fit it in your life where it doesn't interfere with your other roles as a, as a father, as a parent. As, a, as an employee to a company, it, it's like you got to look at your roles in life and fit it in. It sounds like you were able to do that rather successfully. Right. I, actually, I think the second time around, and, and there will be a second time, but right now I want to share the book. It's not even out a year yet, it, but it's actually a, a year is approaching in August. Congratulations. As I think about the second book, um, I, now that I've done the first book, I know, I know how to do it. So it, it, I think it won't be as new. Like I know I kind of have a template that I can use to begin writing in. I have a better idea of you know how to do chapters and what to do at the beginning of a chapter and then questions for reflection at the end of the chapter. And then I'm better at doing end notes. Like my, <laughs> my biggest mistake with the other book was, you know, you, you know, you got, if you cite somebody, obviously you got to give them credit. And I didn't, it took me hours and hours of like finding some of the people I had cited and what were the books that I pulled it from and what pages were they on? Cause you have to put all that information as an end note. So my biggest lesson learned is as I type, if I do a quote or cite somebody right there and then I'm going to have my end note created <laughs> because it was hours of work. That was probably my biggest lesson was end notes. Um, do them as you, as you do it. <laughs> you know what? I will share with you one thing when I was in law school, <laughs> I was involved in my law journal. One of the things I had to do my first year on that publication, we do scholarly publications three a year, three books a year, and we had to publish articles for various authors. Having to cite source all the endnotes that were in the article, 
is the most painful process because those authors, if they could have just given us their sources and we could verify it that way, it would have been awesome. But we had to go through this laborious process. So I can understand what you're talking about in certain ways. And uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's great that you're able to accomplish what you've done already. And I definitely see you doing other books. I mean, from the, the ease of the one that you just created and reading through it as a, as a layperson reading your book for the first time, I can tell you it was, it was structured really well. One of the things I liked about your book for each chapter, when you get to the end of the chapter, there's some questions. And I, I love that in a book, especially one dealing with spirituality and a spiritual topic, because you engage the reader to think for themselves as they go through the chapters and kind of getting them on their own individual path of, 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 of learning and experience. And I thought that, that was a great touch that you had. What motivated you to put the questions in each chapter? Amos, actually, my mentor said, you, you need to. And he was right because he, he said this book can turn into you know, a book study for churches or, or for groups. So you really need to put questions at the end. And, and that actually, that process was I did that after I was done the book. And that really wasn't that difficult to do. It was easy, easy to scan the chapter and develop the, the questions. And I agree. And many people that, are, that have read the book have reached out to me um, and told me they, they really appreciated the questions. It helped them before they moved on to the next chapter, just to think about what they read. And I'm actually using them now because I'm doing a, a weekly Zoom every Saturday from one to two Eastern time. I'm doing a book study and, and for anybody that wants to come and I'm just going chapter by chapter through the book. So this Saturday will be chapter nine. And it's really just a fun time for whoever wants to join, whether they've read it, they're reading it now. And I even say, if you have no interest in reading it and you're just curious and will never read it, come. And I, and I just highlight key points from the chapter. I go beyond some of the points in the chapter. And I pause a lot because there's a lot of interaction. People will ask questions or they'll, they'll react to what I've said. And then I actually read the questions at the end for, for, of each chapter. And I answer them for myself, to be fair. And then I open it up to whoever's comfortable on the, on the Zoom session to answer the question. So I'm glad I have the questions because it's worked well for that as well, for the weekly Zoom study that I'm doing. I know my audience is thinking to themselves, okay, they're talking about centering prayer and they haven't defined it yet. So I'm going to ask, what is your viewpoint about what is centering prayer? Like, what is it to you? And how can you explain to our audience? Sure. So centering prayer is silent prayer. So that means it's wordless prayer. And it was actually created in the early 1970s by three Trappist monks. So actually three Catholic priests created it because they saw there was a lot of transcendental meditation and other forms of meditation going on. And they wanted something for the Christian community. So they created Centering Prayer in the very early 1970s, began teaching it to priests, but, and then started rolling it out really to the masses and to, to everybody. So it's considered a it's it's really two things it's considered meditation but it's also considered a practice to open yourself to the presence and actions of god within so it's a relationship with god so it, it's meditation and a relationship with god is what centering prayer is considered and then shall i say this there's four guidelines so i'll just say shall i say what how you do it that way people understand exactly sure. how do you do this silent prayer so sure. what, what, you do, what you do is you sit comfortably with your eyes closed, and then interiorly, you introduce what's called a sacred word. So it's usually a one, two, three-syllable word that you pick to use during the prayer time. So it could be God or ocean or beach. You can pick whatever word you want. Um, and then so as you're sitting with your eyes closed, whenever you begin engaging your thoughts, and what I mean by that is thinking about what you're going to do after your sit or thinking about things you did before your sit, you realize you're engaging your thoughts. So you, you reintroduce that word interiorly to let go of all of these engaged thoughts and bring yourself back to the presence, present moment and open to the presence and actions of God within. And you just use that word when needed. So you don't use it as a mantra. You only use it when you find that you're doing everything but sitting with God and when you find that you're just planning and plotting and doing other things. So whenever you find yourself engaging your thoughts, you reintroduce that word and then let go of the word again. And you just keep doing that actually through the entire practice, however long you've chosen to sit, whether it's five minutes or 10 minutes or, or, or 20 minutes. And then after, after 20 minutes or so, 
or whatever you've decided your practice is. And usually you might use a timer or there's a lot of apps you can put on your phone that kind of have a nice opening bell and a nice closing bell. So when the closing bell has gone off, then you might sit there for another 30 seconds or, or minute or two. Then you can get up and, and resume, resume your day. But that's really the practice. It's a meditation, but a relationship with God where you're opening to the presence and actions of God within and the last thing I'll say is, you know, I think of it as a reverse prayer. Um, I'm letting go of me and I'm letting God pray in me, whatever God knows that God, whatever God knows that I need. So really, it's just a prayer of getting out of the way and sitting with God and letting God do all the work. How did Centering Prayer help you through the last two years of, of your life with everything we've gone through? I was, I mean, it was much needed and, pr and probably much needed for many people because it, it calms you down. It's because if you think about it, you, you use the sacred word in centering prayer to let go of, of your thoughts that you're engaging. You can then take the same posture, this letting go posture outside of your set, your you know, silent prayer sit. And you can, you begin to let go of the things that are scaring you or things that aren't, that aren't serving you. And then you can focus on the actions you need to take, which is what we needed to do over, over this period. It was a, you know, a, a terrible time when it first started happening and no, you didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know. So you needed to really let go of your fear and anxiety and focus on, well, what are the actions I need to be taking right now so that I can take care of myself or my family or my friends or whatever each person's situation was. They needed to let go of their fears and anxieties and focus, uh, focus in on, you know, what are the actions I need to take right now to get through this? So interesting when you say that. Fears and anxieties are, I mean, I think that that is the most crippling aspect of our experience that we go through in life is our fear and anxiety. When you have a life transition or something disruptive, like what we've experienced with the pandemic, I think if we have the means to cope and remove fear and anxiety from our existence and our, our train of thought, at least reducing it and minimizing its impact, I think that that can just serve so many valid, amazing functions in our, in our health and wellness. Have you found that yourself? I have because I mean, really, I, I was scared. I'm a human like everybody else. So as I would sit in, in the silence of centering prayer during COVID, I was letting go of my fears and anxieties and worries and, and just opening to God. And so it really had a, a, a calming effect for me because I, I do two sits a day. So I, my first sit is when I wake up in the morning before I begin my day, I do a 20 minute sit. And then I usually do a second sit, usually in the early afternoon before lunch and I take a later lunch. So it might be one o'clock or two o'clock when I do the second sit, but I, I needed these sits because I needed to forget even pre COVID. You know, I, I needed, I need my sits just to let go of my anxiety about you know, what am I, what do I need to do? Or do I have a lot on my plate and how am I going to get it all done? I, I need my centering prayer sits to let go of these things I'm telling myself that really aren't true, but to, and just then it helps me better hone in and focus on you know, what I need to do. How do you begin a centering prayer practice? I, I would, for people new to it that want to try and, and they struggle and they're thinking, well, I would not suggest, you know, an immediate 20 minutes. And I didn't either. When I first started practicing silence, and this was before I knew anything about centering prayer, I just did one, two minutes, five minutes. So, so I would say the first thing would be to take baby steps. So, you know, I would say do it first thing in the morning. That way, um, it's kind of, the, for me, it's the best way to begin the day. So I would do it first thing in the morning and take baby steps. So, so try five minutes. I think most people will realize that five minutes isn't that long and it wasn't that bad. So I would, my immediate two things would be do it first thing in the morning before you do anything, including on the weekends, and then take baby steps. Start with five minutes and then over time, you know, increase to 10 minutes and 15 minutes and 20 minutes. And then when you're comfortable with that, add a second sit at some point in the day, look at your day and determine when is it best for me to do a second sit. And then if you have to do the same thing, start slow a couple minutes and then slowly work your way up to 20 minutes, perhaps again, so that you have two sits a day of 20 minutes. Okay. So ease into it, ease, ease into the first sit, and then add a second sit and ease into the second sit as well. Where would you recommend we practice centering prayer? I guess in your house or wherever you live, I guess a more quiet place that that's distraction free. 
So if, if you have you know, a lot of people in a household somewhere where you can go in a room, close the door and just be by yourself, I, I would suggest. But you can do it anywhere. Like pre-COVID, my second sit was actually, and I was, because I was going to an office to work, my second sit was actually in my car. So my first sit was, was in a spare bedroom in our house. And then my second sit was actually leaving my desk and going to my car and just sitting in the you know, driver's seat of my car to do my second sit and then come back in and eat my lunch. So you can really anywhere that's distraction free. And even sometimes it's nice to be flexible with where you do them. A couple of years back, I did a lot of bike riding. So I, there was a gazebo in a park in the middle of one of the places that I used to ride the bike. And I would go to the gazebo, park my bike, and I would sit in the, in the gazebo and do a center and prayer sit and then get back on the bike and resume you know, the bike ride. So you, you can actually do them anywhere. And, and actually, I even do them at the chiropractor. I go to the chiropractor once a month. And the first room that you go in, at least at my chiropractor, you lie on this kind of bed that has roller underneath your back and it rolls to loosen you up before the doctor sees you. And that's for 10 minutes. So I actually practice centering prayer once a month at the chiropractor in, in the first room. <laughs> that's good. I'm sure it gives you the right mindset for the, the rest of the visit. <laughs> so you can, you can really do it anywhere. I mean, you can do it. I've done it on airplanes. I've done it on train rides. I've done it at, you know, on vacation, at outdoor at pools. You can actually really do centering prayer anywhere as well. But obviously in your house, you, you want to find something distraction-free, as much as distraction-free as possible. What happens during centering prayer? It's a good question. I mean, it would seem like nothing because the reality is you're not supposed to engage your thoughts. So if you begin having wonderful thoughts or, or creative ideas, you need to let go of them because really the main purpose of centering prayer is just to let go of all of your thoughts and open to the presence and actions of God within who's acting at us at a deeper level than, than our thoughts. So during centering prayer, it may feel like nothing's happening because that's really what we're supposed to do is clear all of our clutter. So you, you really notice it more out or you notice it outside of your practice. So for me, I, I've noticed since I've been practicing centering prayer, you know, outside of the practice, I am a much more confident person. I'm a much more patient person. I, I'm less reactive or I can slow myself down more quickly than I did before centering prayer, before I react. So I'm more willing to listen than, than react because sometimes the person talking to us doesn't necessarily want a reaction. They just want us to listen. They don't want our opinion. They don't want our tips. They just want us to listen. And I think I have just a bigger excitement for life that I had um, before centering prayer. And I think I'm just more open to experiencing life and what it has to, to show me. So it kind of, it, it, it helps you open up to life and notice things maybe that you didn't notice be, before. So I've, I have a ton of fruits that I've experienced as a result you know, of my practice and continue. And then the neat thing is you can ask really any center and prayer practitioner, and they'll probably tell you similar, and they may tell you other things that are completely different from mine that the, the world that's opened up for them. Should we practice centering prayer on our own or in a group? What's your take? Both, actually. I mean, obviously, it's it's a it's a very much a solo practice, but with COVID, there was tons of. Well, actually, even pre-COVID, if you, the Contemplative Outreach is really the main centering prayer organization that was created in 1984, you know, by these Trappist monks that created it in the early 1970s. So, if you go to that site, you can actually find groups. That, chat, that practice in, in you know, the different states of the U.S., as well as in internationally. You can find groups that practice really worldwide. But with COVID, obviously, it, it became Zoom. So I think even more groups opened up where people were just clicking into the Zoom link and going in and practicing centering prayer for those that didn't want to do it alone, or for those that were doing it with a group once a week, they then started doing it via Zoom. So I would say, and I've done it on Zoom as well with other groups. So I would say it's, it's great to do it both ways. It's, it's obviously great to do it on your own, but sometimes it's nice to do it once a week or once a month in community with, with a group of other people. Have you ever done an example, a short example of Centering Prayer for a podcast before? I have. Um, maybe one, I think at least two podcasts. Uh, 
wanted to do one. And I said, well, you realize it's silence during it. So we, we did a one minute set. So they, I guess the, this person wanted the community to at least experience, like obviously I explained what it was here, but that other community, she wanted to make sure not only did they know the guidelines and how you do it, but at least maybe experience the silence. So we did a one minute sit at, at the very end of the podcast where I reminded people how to do it. And then we actually did one minute silent sit. Can we do that at the end of this interview? Sure. I think sure, our audience sure. would really appreciate it. And I have that in other episodes where I'll have an example of meditation or contemplative thought or music. And so I, I think, you know, to me, this represents a, a phenomenal level of reconnecting ourselves to our higher power. And it also represents to me, it does represent a healing modality. Any type of prayer or meditation to me is a healing modality since it can calm us and, and, and ground us and make us more appreciative of, of every day of our lives, mindfulness, you know, as, as they say in meditative practices. And I really admire that. Uh, so, yeah, the, well, and if you don't mind me saying I, what I should have mentioned a little bit earlier, when you, Thomas Keating, who was really one of the founders of Centering Prayer, considered it divine therapy. So it's a safe place that. to a safe place to sit in silence and let God heal us. And what I mean, and what he means by that, and, and, and what I even think what it means is, if you think about it, your body is a storehouse of emotions and tension. So we all hold tension in our foreheads or, or shoulders or our stomach, and we all hold repressed thoughts and emotions. So, some we know we have them, and others we don't even know we have them, and they go all the way back to childhood. So centering prayer is a safe place to sit with all the emotional garbage of a lifetime, and it slowly gets released. It unloads. They, they call it the un an unloading process where you begin – these thoughts start coming up that maybe you didn't know you had, and they start getting released, and, and tensions in your body starts getting released as well, and, and it gives the Holy Spirit a chance to kind of fill, fill that space that was filled with all this emotional garbage. So it's, so it's really a nice, safe place – to let the kind of the wounds and emotions of a lifetime, whether it's stress in your body or emotions come out and, and keep coming out. I love that. I think that's a great, that's a great example of, of the, of the therapeutic nature of it itself. I was looking at your book and there was a quote in, I think it was the first chapter and it to, in essence, it was silence is God's first language and everything else is a poor translation. And that resonated with me. And I wanted to see if you could, Explain to our audience what you think that means to you. I mean, really, that's what happens during centering prayer. You, you're not talking and you're not audibly hearing anything and, and you're letting go of your thoughts and emotions. So it's just a different, and, and I tell people, don't get rid of your other prayer forms by all means, you know, complement it with a practice like this. So it's at a deeper level than thoughts and emotions and words. And it's God acting, God praying in us at a deeper level and God giving us what we need, whether it's inner peace or inner calm, or we're allowing ourselves to let these repressed emotions release from our body or allowing our bodies to become a little looser and not as tight and, and tense. So it's really, you know, it's beyond words. So it's, it's just a, a different language, so to speak. Who is your true self? You mentioned that in the book and you talk about true self all the time. I was going to see if you could explain what that means to our audience. Sure. For, for me, um, my true self is the person God wants me to be, not the person that Rich Lewis thinks he should be. So then the next, the next question would be, well, how does Rich Lewis know he's acting from his true self? Um, people should probably ask. And, and I guess for me, I'll tell you, you know, what I do. So I'm a big believer in affirmations and, and I'll, I have statements, 10, 15 statements in my iPad. And they're like one sentence, once uh, one a sentence in long, and they'll, they'll discuss goals, whether it's mental health or physical health or, or my job or my career or related to my website, Silas teaches or related to my family. Um, and I'll read them and go into my centering prayer, Sid, because I like to think of it as I'm partnering with God on what are, the, these are things that I think are important to me, but I'm going to let them go to God, just like you do during centering prayer, and I'm going to let them brew with God, and then I'm going to, after my sits, because I'll read, I'll read my affirmations multiple times a day, and then I have my, for at least for now, my barometer of whether it's something I should continue to take action on is, you know, it excites me, I have an inner peace and calmness about it. 
it might make me nervous and be outside of my comfort zone, but that's okay because that's the only way you grow. And it doesn't harm me or harm others. Then it's a, an affirmation that I should, I'll call it, it's a true self affirmation that I, that I should keep movement forward on. So that for me, that's what my true self is. It's the person God wants me to be, but it's me partnering with God on, you know, what are the actions I should be taking in my life? So we're talking about true self. Yes. How is centering prayer a personal and unique journey? I, I would say it's because what the fruits of it, it's one, it's a solo practice. Even if you're doing it in a group, you know, you're still doing it. You're doing it and you're sitting with God or whatever you call God, whether it's life or what, whatever you believe about God. So you're doing it. You're sitting. You're letting go of your thoughts and emotions and you're trusting the silence and what the silence can do to you. And then coming out of the silence as you resume your day, so as you keep practicing, you're noticing the fruits of, of the practice and, and what they are. And they're really unique for you. So some of the fruits I mentioned, it would be interesting you know, to talk to other centering prayer practitioners and say, well, how has it changed you? What have you noticed about your life as a result you know, of centering prayer? So that's really what makes it a unique practice is it's you're doing it by yourself, even if you're doing it with others. And God is uniquely praying in you what you need and, and moving, I think, I believe, nudging you forward in life with what makes sense for you at your time and stage of life. I like that. I like the way you just described that, because when you think about somebody trying to become more in touch with their relationship with, with God and with themselves, it's probably the most personal relationship you can have in terms of journeying inward. and letting go of our material connections that we, we deal with on a regular basis. And so for me, I think centering prayer at least would represent an opportunity to sever those things that distract us in our daily lives and give us the ability to really look inward. Would that be an accurate representation? Well, it okay. It would. I mean, and then another thing it does is it's, if you think about it, you, you let God be God during centering prayer because you let go of your definition of God or, or how God is supposed to be. And you just, it's a time just to let God be God and, and rest in the rest of God and let God take over and you get out of the way with any, any distractions or any of your own definitions or opinions of God. So it's, I think it's a good practice for even for people that don't know what they think about God. That's okay. You, you just sit with whatever you want to call it, the, your higher power, the spirit, um, life, you just sit with life today and, and see what happens. You don't need to worry about what you need to say. You don't need to judge yourself. You just sit and, and see what happens. What if anything can be special about silence itself? That's a terrific question. Um, I, I guess for me, and that's really what my website, you know, si I, my website, silenceteaches.com, and the longer version is silence teaches us who we are. It, that's what I've discovered. So you, you have to try it for yourself. You, you discover, because when you get silent, and it's not really just getting silent with silence around you, it's where you're, you're the monkey mind going on in your in your mind. When, you, when the chatter, the inner chatter is silenced and let go of, you then can open up to your true self. You know, what should you be doing? Because, and it, and it cultivates and silence. When you practice something like centering prayer, you cultivate the ability to take a step back and realize during the day, I tell myself things that are just not true. They, they might be, I'm not confident, or I can't do this, or I'm not the right person to do this task, or I'm too old to try that, or I'm too young to try that. All these things are going through our, our heads. You, you realize those are thoughts. That's not who I am. And then you can begin telling yourself, you know, I am the right person and, and I'm the right age and I'm not too old or I'm not too young. And this is exactly what I should be doing right now. So it really cultivates an ability to help you move forward and, and take action on things that maybe you normally wouldn't do or wouldn't even think about because you were too busy listening to all the chatter instead of moving the clutter out of the way and thinking about what do you really want to do in life? What things do you want to do? What actions do you want to take today? 
I love the way you say that. Cause for me, that, that represents like mindfulness, like having your ability to look at your life in the present moment and appreciate where you are and then looking at God's role in your life, but then also being grounded and getting rid of what if thoughts, uh, right. I call those what if thoughts, what if this happens? What if that happens? You know what, if we quell those, what if thoughts, we'll probably have a lot more time to think about meaningful things that can actually help us through our day and put us in the right path inwards as well as in our external world. And I mean, I think of centering prayer as, you know, a sit with God, and then I get up and walk with God and partner with God after my sit. So it's not, I'm sitting with God, and then I say, goodbye, God, I'll see you again at my second sit. If I do a second sit, it's the presence of God comes with me um, and moves with me throughout the day. So I'm, I'm never alone. It's, it's I partner with God and all of my actions and together, uh, hopefully taking the true self action. It's not maybe the actions that I think I should do, but maybe that's not something God wanted me to do. <laughs> what does it mean that God's beyond thoughts and emotions? I mean, kind of exactly what happens in centering prayer. We, that's why we, we use the sacred word to, to let go. God is acting at us at a very deep level with, within us. And, and then we're kind of the silence that our true self you know, we're connecting with our true self and centering prayer, and then we're taking action uh, on our true self. So the silence spawns our true self, really. The silence is, is kind of hidden in, in the silence, waiting to be revealed and, and waiting to be birthed and, and taken out into the world. When's the best time for one to practice silence? I know you mentioned you do it twice a day and there's different times you can do it, but when do you think would be the best time for a member of our audience who's never done it before? Sure. Well, I would say definitely in the morning. So if, as long as you, you know, even if you're just starting with five minutes, I'd like to think anybody could get up five minutes earlier than they normally do just to try centering prayer for the first time. So for first time people, I, I would say first thing in the morning. And, and if you have to just get up five minutes sooner, and then for those that that maybe just doesn't work, maybe they have I don't know a very unique work schedule, and that and they it's for them it's not going to work. A morning sit will not work. Then I would just say look at your life and place your sit where it belongs. And what I mean by that is, you know, when I first started practicing, it was first thing in the morning, and then it was a second sit, as I said before lunch. But a couple of years back, work was really busy, and I realized, you know, I need more than two sits because I work is very chaotic and I need, uh, I need to slow myself down, down. I need to calm myself down so I can get through the work day. It's, it's too hectic and too stressful. So I added a third sit, but what I did was shorten each sit. So the first sit was 13 minutes. The second sit was before lunch and it was 13 minutes. And then about two hours later, I actually did another 13 minute sit. So look at your life and place your sits where they belong and even the length of them. You know. So be flexible with your sits. If life changes, the ebbs and flows of your life changes, you know, move your sits to where they best belong. So at that time, I needed three, and that's how I did it. And then work calmed down and got better, and I shifted back to the two sits. Actually, when I first started practicing centering prayer, now that I, now that I think about it, my second sit was actually after dinner. And then I realized, well, that's really not the best place for, for me to do it. I'm, I'm tired and it's taking time away from the family. So I shifted that it's earlier in the day during the work day. So I was, so the morning sit was very early in the morning and nobody was up anyhow. And then the second sit was usually at work anyhow. So look at your life and place your sits where they best belong. And if life shifts, shift your sit. We've been talking about silence a bunch. One of the questions I want to ask you is this, have you ever been afraid of silence? And if so, why? I have not, but it can be very scary because it forces you to, so a lot of people keep busy because they have things weighing on their mind. So when you become silent, suddenly all your thoughts are more visible and more in front of you. So for some people, silence can be very scary because it forces them to, to think their thoughts and realize they have these thoughts. And for some people you know, that have a different relationship with God, where maybe they're not, they, they came, their backgrounds, they come from a, a God that doesn't like them, a God that doesn't love them, and a God that 
wants to punish them. Sitting in silence with a God that they're scared of is hard. So, 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 or some people have had traumatic experiences and sitting with God reminds them of, of a parent that was not a very you know, good parent that traumatized them. So in those instances, silence can be very difficult for people that have a lot of thoughts that they don't want to think about or that have come from some terrible backgrounds and, and it forces them to to see it, it forces them to confront these thoughts and that can be very very scary how would you recommend someone who has those kind of struggles work through the obstacles to try to become a practitioner of of centered prayer i guess one i would you know take baby steps so i would minimize the length of time then I, and I would recommend that they definitely talk with someone, whether it's um, a coach, a spiritual director, or even if they find a group, you know, in a centering prayer group, and, and they probably could become friendly with, with maybe the leader of the group and, and share with them some of their challenges. And so it, it's always good to have a friend or someone that practices centering prayer, you know, that's been doing it for a while can kind of help them through the process and, and explain to them, you know, it is normal. And at times it is normal that to have a lot of emotions come out during centering prayer. So like, for example, some people will say they, they start tearing during centering prayer. Some people may start shaking or they just may become scared and overwhelmed because these emotions are, are being released uh, because it is a safe place to, for them to be released. So it's helpful to have someone to talk to. So I would definitely say someone else that has practiced centering prayer, you probably want to at least try to talk to someone once a week and, and share what you're experiencing and then they can basically help you and basically tell you it's, it's, you're, you're okay. You're going to be okay. And you're not experiencing anything that's uh, uncommon. And, and it, if you keep at it and take baby steps, it should continue to get better <laughs> and better for you. I meditate regularly. And I, I want to ask you this, because I love to hear your explanation of this. What's one's relationship between prayer and meditation and how do they differ? Sure. Sure. And actually, coming back to the earlier question, I would also say some people like centering prayer might not. So, so some people, they need to occupy their mind. I have recommended to some people that they do more of a mantra based meditation. There's something called Christian meditation, for example, repeats a mantra. So whereas, if, whereas as, as I described centering prayer, you're using just the word just when needed when you engage your thoughts. It's not a mantra. There are some people that need a mantra so and say, I need to be saying something in my mind over and over again. So Christian meditation or, or any type of mantra-based meditation where you're interiorly repeating kind of the same word um, can be very helpful, or even chanting where you're saying the same word. So I have encouraged some people that have told me, it just doesn't work for me, then, I, then I'll say, try, how about a mantra-based meditation, whether it's interiorly mantra or chanting mantra. So I'll, I'll suggest that to some people as well. Sometimes that works better for, for people rather than centering prayer. At least there's different options. I mean, that's the right. beauty of this. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of different options. People can find what's best for them. Right. Find the, find what's works best for you. And then I like to say, dig deep in that well, try, you know, find the best practice and at least try it for 30 days, dig deep in that well. And if it's working well, keep digging in the well and, and keep, keep doing it. Now, coming back to your question on meditation versus um, prayer or, or so, so I guess it's, Centering prayer isn't just, and the same for that matter, Christian meditation, that which is another kind of contemplative prayer, isn't just you know, meditation. It's also a relationship with God because we believe we're sitting with God and during centering prayer and opening to the presence and actions of God within, and God is praying in us at, at its deeper level beyond words and thoughts and emotions. So it's for me and for centering prayer practitioners, it's not just meditation. It's a practice that opens us up to God, you know, the God within, and we're, open, we're consenting to the presence and actions of God within during our centering prayer sit as we use our sacred word when needed. How can centering prayer act as a reset button? Um, that's exactly how I used it. You know, I, I, my second sit, well, actually, well, obviously the first sit I do, it, it's kind of a, 
I mean, I, I'm, I guess I'm well rested from my sleep, but it's kind of, a, it starts me and it connects me to God and grounds me and, and gets me going. But then my second sit is really, it's, it's more of a reset button there because, you know, I'm perhaps halfway through my work day and some of, some of my work is weighing on me and, and new tasks are coming in on top of the existing tasks I have to do. So for me, it's, it, it it slows me down and it's a nice reset button where I stop what I'm doing, no matter how busy I am, do my centering prayer sit, eat my lunch if I'm going to eat my lunch after it, and then go back to, to work and resume the day. And for me, at least my experience has been, it is a, it's a wonderful reset button. I'm always surprised when I look back you know, at the end of the day, what I've gotten through. And, and I think it's because I stopped and I, and I reset, I reconnected to God, reconnected to life. And then it's help, it helps me hone in and focus on the second half of the day tasks that need to get done. I think that's great. And, and you know what? It also helps you stay focused on the task at hand in your life. It sounds like it keeps you on track and gets you through a busy or hectic day by taking the time out to center yourself and pray and reflect. Um, that that's I think that probably has a lot of mental health benefits as well as physical and spiritual health. Would you agree with that? No, I would. I mean, really. And so people will say, well, I don't have the time to do a second sit or, or maybe I don't have time to do center in prayer. In my experience is it has a wonderful way of giving you back time because just like during center in prayer where you're letting go, you're doing this. It, it just automatically happens. The more you keep practicing, you learn to let go. The posture you take into your practice continues outside of your practice and you can let go of the things I don't need to focus on and hone in and focus on the things I need to do. So I might have 20 things in front of me, but maybe three of them are the th three things that need to get done today. And the other 17, maybe they're weighing on my mind, but I can let go of them and realize I don't need to do them today. They're, they're for tomorrow or for two weeks out instead of getting myself frazzled and all worried and anxious. How has your prayer methods evolved over time since you started doing centered prayer? I've probably moved to more silent prayer, but I still do um, verbal prayer. So I, I probably, probably a shorter version. So my, my prayer is more of either I, I'll do what's called a Jesus prayer with a, with a prayer rope and, and I'll go from not to not on it. And I'll say, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on. And I'll pray whether it's for my wife or my children or a friend or specific tasks. So I think I've shortened it where instead of in the past I was babbling on and on and on. It's more of a just getting to the point with God. Like here is where I could use some help and, and, <laughs> and, and or I think someone could use some help. So probably I've shortened how long I talk to God um, as a result of, of practicing centering prayer, but I still will do that type of prayer. And even, and actually, before I go to bed, I, I'm a big believer in just being grateful for the day. So kind of the last thing I like to do before I go to bed, and I do it on my iPad, I just, I just type the date, and then I will just type, you know, f at least five things I'm grateful for that happened that day. And, and that's really me, me saying to God, thank you, God, for, for the following things. Here are some things as I reflect on the day that I'm really grateful for. So I, I've, I guess I've shifted to being less wordy with God, and then I've shifted a lot to ending my day with just gratitude for what you know has happened that day. Gratitude, such a powerful, it's such a powerful thing to have gratitude and to let go and forgive. Those three elements, I feel like what you're describing is what I do too, and I just think it's so powerful when you can be grateful for living each day, and, and even with obstacles presented or changes, there's always a moment to reflect and thank God for our opportunities and, and our experiences. And I think that's such a powerful way of conveying it. Agree. And I, I was listening to a, a podcast um, and the, 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 the host mentioned he, when he, he wakes up in the morning, he actually will look in the mirror and just smile. And, and, it, and it's amazing. He says what it can do for you. Where you just And he says he's not going to show anybody how he does this, but he says that's one yeah. of his practices. He, he gets up and he goes to the mirror and he smiles and looks at himself. And then that's how he begins his day. <laughs> I think that's a great thing. You'll see me it smile is. a lot during the episode. I'm not just smiling the smile. I'm excited when we do these interviews. And I feel like the power of smiling, there's a lot of studies on that. I'm sure you've seen um, spiritually 
the benefit of, of having the gratitude and being able to change our mood set by hopefully, you know, appreciating everything. And, and I think those go hand in hand in terms of your own spiritual practice and, and, and being able to be balanced in life. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think we, we, we need more gratitude and, and we need to smile more and, and we need to just relax more and, and, be, you know, any type of contemplative practice or mindfulness practice helps us be in the present moment and just enjoy the present moment. Not think about the past, not think about the future, but just be in the present and, and enjoy what it has to offer us, offer us. Are we considered divine beings? I would say yes, and I don't view that as I'm God. I just no. view it as that God is within me, and I, I believe God is within within each one of us, and we're connecting to it in a in a silent prayer practice. So I am not God by any means at all, but I think the image of God is is in everyone, male male and female, and I want to connect to this and then live live from it. So in that, so we're spiritual beings, and, and we're all we're all related, we're all connected. But I, I don't consider myself God by any means at all. I, I just think we have inner divinity within us, uh, um, a little D, and then we're connecting to the big D uh, during a practice like centering prayer. You believe that one's time in solitude can enrich in our overall life? Say that one more time, please. Sure. Do you believe that one's time in solitude, being alone, can enrich in our enrich in our overall quality of life? Oh, yes. I mean, it definitely has for me in, in my, you know, since I've been practicing and uh, since June of 2014, I, I look at my life and, and it's and, and I look at the things I'm doing. I, I wish I had found a practice like this sooner. I'm, I'm 55. So I've been practicing centering prayer for what is that about eight years or so. And, and I look at what it has done for me. And it's really and I say it's it's not centering prayer. It's what God has done with for me in the silence, and I'm trusting God with you know, what true self action should I be taking? You know, prior to centering prayer, I would never have imagined I would you know one be practicing centering prayer or two have a website. You know, three written a book, four you know speak to, to groups small and large on Zoom go on podcasts such as this and others. It wasn't even a thought. So uh, it's really opened up a whole world for me of what, what does God want me to do? And right now, it's uh, he's telling me just to share, not push it on people, just share it as a practice that can be helpful in case people want to try it for themselves. So that's kind of my mission right now is just to help people connect to their true self through a practice such as centering prayer and see how it can heal them and transform them you know, as it has for me. I think as you were just saying that, the thought process came to my mind is that you're meant to be doing this because you're doing it for a reason and it's touching so many lives it touched my life preparing for the interview today and researching the information you have in your book and then applying the concepts that you have in your book and then internalizing with the concepts that i have in my own spiritual practice and i feel like it's such a positive thing to have outside perspectives provided to give you different ways of looking at things and categorizing our spiritual um strengths and cultivating that in a way that we can overcome our, our trivial things in life that bother us so much all the time, right? Yeah. Our 3D world. And I think that's what I see your message as. It's like, you know what? You can take something that's within you, sit, ground yourself, stay quiet about it, but you can connect to your maker <laughs> and, right. and, and become your true self from within. And that's what I'm seeing this in, in terms of your book and what, and what centered prayer is about that's my that's my take on it from our conversation today and i think it's such a powerful thing we're coming to the close of the show but i wanted to do a couple of things before we end our episode one i wanted to see if you could please share your contact information with our audience where can they find you where and what do you have coming up and also uh where can they find your book sure well the best place to find me is my website silenceteaches.com and when they come to my website, if they subscribe, they'll get, I have a free short ebook on centering prayer. If they want to just learn more about centering prayer and it's, it's, I think it's 13 or 14 pages and it really has a question at the top and then it answers it. So it's just an easy book that describes centering prayer and asks some good questions about centering prayer that they might ask. And then if they're more then if they went through, if they want to go deeper, they can go to the about the book section and um, check out the book and see if it's a book that they want to read. And then I, then I have people that want to you know, need help 
and want someone to help them start or go deeper in their existing practice, I, I offer coaching. And then I also teach uh, and, and talk in the community. So I've, I've had, whether it's centering prayer groups, reach out to me and I've joined via Zoom or spiritual director groups or all kinds of different groups, I guess I've been, I've been speaking to that have kind of read my book and wanted me to talk to, to whether it was a group of pastors at, at their representative, you know, churches in an area or whether it's a spiritual director's group wanted me to talk to them. So the best place though is silenceteaches.com to learn more about Centering Prayer, to learn more about the book. And then if they want to entertain the idea of me speaking, whether it's on a podcast or whether it's outside of a podcast, I do, I've been doing a lot of speaking since the book has been out. That's great. That's great. I was going to see at this point now, if you could lead us through uh, a minute of uh, Centered Prayer. Sure. So why don't, why don't I remind your community how you do it? So you sit comfortably with your eyes closed, and then you introduce a sacred word. So you might pick uh, beach, Jesus, ocean, love. And then whenever you engage your thoughts, you reintroduce the word and then let go of the word. And you do this throughout the duration of the, of the silent sit. So I guess what I can do is I'll just set a one minute. I have a, an app here that I use. I'll just quickly set it to one minute. I don't know if you'll hear it. I'll turn it up loud. Maybe it'll come through my headset. Let's no turn problem. the volume up. You just say time's up. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say time's up, but you might be able to hear it because the last one I did it with, they said they could hear it through the microphone here. So... So I'll just go ahead and, and do it. So we're going to begin our sit now. I think you heard the bell, right? I heard the, I, that was an amazing <laughs> chime, by the way. I feel like it, it vibrated me into the mindset and I kept repeating the word love. It was, it was great because I literally felt imagery like I was on a beach. I don't know if that's because you recommended the beach earlier, but I, I let it go. But I still felt this powerful vibrational energy at the beginning when we did that with the chime. But then it, it centered me really well, not to use the play on words centered, but gave me the ability, like almost as if you can just pause for a minute, appreciate everything. And then our higher powers with us, right? And I felt God. I just feel God's with us every day, every moment, but and personally. And I felt that. I could feel that loving presence, calming and peaceful. That's what I got from, from doing Great. that. No, I'm glad you asked me to do it. So I think it's important for people to even experience one minute of silence on a show such as this. It makes it more real. Not only do I share about Centering Prayer and how you do it, they, they got to experience one minute of, of silence that they maybe would not have. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. What do you have coming up? I guess right now I'm just doing a lot of uh, talking on podcasts. I've, I'm, I've, I'm booked probably on another 15 or so podcasts easily. And then I, I use the, uh, so that's mostly what I'm trying to do is, is get on as many podcasts as I can and share the book and then get in front of as many Centering Prayer groups and church groups that I can as well. So I've been spending most of my time um, doing that, getting on podcasts and getting in front of groups and, and speaking and, and sharing the book. That's Excellent. My, my main focus. 
Well, and I, I, I know you're going to do another book. I can predict that pretty confidently. It doesn't, I don't need to be a psychic to say that based on just talking to you for the last hour. But when you do have another book, I would love to have you back on as, a, as our platform will be open for you. Because I think what your message is just, I love featuring notable people. I love uh, featuring healing messages and message, you know, just spirituality is such a big part of my show and having you share your time with us is so appreciated today. It's like, you, you can't, you can't script this, you know, we have to have the interview in order to have the experience and the discussion. And I think the topics we covered today was just so refreshing for me to have this on the show today. And I really appreciate you coming on. No, um, I, I, I appreciate it. No, and actually it's funny that you say, no, there definitely will be a second book in me, but actually within the last week I was approached by another gentleman who wanted a couple different people to contribute to a book. So I'm actually, as I won't get into it because they have to approach the publisher that he had for his book, but about, I think there'll be about 10 or 11 contemplatives. We're all being, we're all going to join a zoom call this Sunday and we're going to talk about the book. And then I know they're going to propose it to the publisher. So there actually might be a book. I might have, if that book comes to fruition, because they want me to contribute a chapter on silence, which I think is great, I might have a second book there, in, and then hopefully that'll come to fruition, and then I'll obviously have my own second book as well. Excellent. So, I, so I thought that was funny that you said that. I probably will be in a book sooner than I realize. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. Whenever you have that, any book you want me to look at, please hit us up. I'd love to have you on the show again, because you were a great guest today, and I just think our audience is going to enjoy this conversation and this topic and, and it, you know, getting them to think about this type of stuff, I think is so pivotal and important. If more of us practiced centered prayer, can you imagine rush hour would be so much more peaceful if we're sitting in our cars waiting for traffic to move and we could all just resonate and live our life in peaceful silence. So I think it could be, you know, it could be a great thing. I'll ask you this with my last question. If you're stuck in an elevator with anyone that you could talk to and discuss centered prayer and introduce it to them, who would it be and why? I guess I'll be vague and say so someone that needs silence, someone that could, it would benefit from. So someone who's struggling in life and they're listening to a lot of interior voices that aren't who they are and they're just struggling in life. I'd, I'd like to be able to help that type of person. So be stuck in an elevator with someone that it, I know it could benefit from them. If I shared what it was and how it has helped me, it might be able to help them. Excellent. I appreciate it. I just want to thank Richard Lewis for coming on the show this evening and to discuss his book, Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer. This was a great episode. I, I love when someone is inspired to do something outside their normal realm of, of life and they get inspired to create something from that. And then they take what they were inspired from, create a book, then that can then, it's like pay it forward. It can inspire others. I encourage you, check out this book. Check out Sitting with God. And for those of you who've always grown up thinking silence is golden, in this particular case, silence is definitely golden. For your own spiritual health and your own spiritual development, look into centered prayer. I think it's, it's centering prayer. I think it's a great thing to look at. I think in terms of the healing value of it, I, I can't even stress enough how important prayer is, meditation, reflection, mindfulness, having your ability to appreciate with gratitude our relationship with our maker, understanding that we all have an inward journey that we can take to improve our own quality of life and our relationship with ourselves and others. These are all big aspects of living that I think in a post-COVID world, it's important that we take time to ourselves. And as Richard said, that we sit, sit in silence, sit within our own aspects of our lives and appreciate it all. So with that, I'll say check out silenceteaches.com. Check out Richard's book. And I just want to thank everyone for listening to this episode. There's going to be more of these shows coming out. Please feel free to reach out to me directly. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me directly at info at the letter D, socialpsychicradio.com. And until next time, stay positive, practice centered prayer, and always remember that as long as you're positive, anything's thank possible. Thank you for listening thank to you. this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore.
At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production.